This is like August 19th, September This 19th. is Q4. Rolling toward yeah, the end of the year, right. holidays come around, we're, we've submitted the documentation, I'm on the phone with the SBA over Christmas, like we are rolling. February 28th, the uh, loan comes through. Uh, what do we February do with it? Of February of 2020. 2020. <laughs> ah, this is so awesome. We are on the CEO Parenting Podcast and my guest today is Jen Ryan. So Jen is a friend of Lindsay Miller, former guest on this podcast. That is a wonderful episode. We were just talking about Lindsay. She's an amazing human. And so the great thing about what we do is I did not, I did very, very little research on Jennifer. I know the two companies she owns, that's about it. And she's been here hanging out with me for like 45, 30 or 40 minutes. And I have done everything in my soul not to ask bunches of questions. So. Jen Ryan owns a restaurant called Blue Root and a company called Crew. That's all I know. So here's my first question for you is just give me the like the the high level background of you growing up slash journey to get to Birmingham. And that's a long probably a long thing, but just give me the high level stuff and I can dig deeper in as you go. The highlights. All right. Born and raised Southern California. Okay. Oldest of four kids. Oldest of more than 30 grandkids. So big <sighs> family all on the West Coast. Are they still there? Most, yes. Okay. Parents are there. Two of three siblings are there. Parents still married? Yes. That's awesome. And uh, many aunts and uncles, um, one surviving grandmother, and um, cousins are kind of scattered as they've sure. gone off to school and yeah. lived life, but the family home base is still Southern California. Okay. Kind of between LA and San Diego. Wow. Um, I picked up- Orange in, County. Orange County. What's the name of the city? I'm in Long Beach, California. Okay. Yes. So I picked up and left for college when I was 18, went to the East Coast, and was excited to try something new. Okay. So in our conversations, you touched on the fact that you played college volleyball. I did. Where? Princeton. Okay. So we've got a nerd in our group, <laughs> and I love it, because I, I'm not extremely academically... Let's not put any pretenses on here. Okay. Princeton. Yes, sir. The Princeton, the one that people talk about. Yes. Okay. So you played volleyball at Princeton. I did. Okay. I already feel inadequate. Go ahead. I was privileged enough to have that experience. Sure. It was amazing on all fronts. Um, okay. Cool. Princeton. Yes. Is Princeton one of those places that you go and you get in and you get scholarship money because you're so freaking smart or you've done so well on grades that you get in and get a lot of scholarship money? Or is Princeton the thing where like you had to pay a bunch of money? Um, it's a combination of both. Okay. So, yep. Not, no athletic scholarships, um, but earned some grant money, but definitely worked as part of my financial aid package. The thing about Princeton that's incredible, sorry, a little plug, is they have more grant money than many to be able to support kids from all over with tons of different types of backgrounds to come in and really enjoy the privileges of those four years. So Princeton's private? Yes. So they can write their own rules. Yes. Which I love about private schools is you can do whatever the heck you want. Yes, part okay. of the Ivy. So, okay, so, you, so you said not on scholarship. So they don't have any athletic scholarships? Really? Yeah, that may have changed. And there may be elements that I don't know, but it certainly wasn't part of my experience. Okay, so yep. you played volleyball at, at, at Princeton. Yep. Go ahead. Um, I was an English literature major. Okay. And I left. And when I graduated in 2006, the world was hot. Man. Things were great. Um, and I went to Wall Street. And I worked in New York City for 10 years. 
and With I worked, an English literature degree. Correct. This okay. is where the why I'm. You'll start to see some trends. Sure. There are a lot of wild card maneuvers. Yeah. A lot of um, unexpected twists. Places I probably didn't deserve to be, but mm -hmm. um, somehow figured out a way to find a way in. Um, How much did being going and ha having a degree from Princeton play into the job first job ish job or two you got? I think it played heavily into it. I so think when you graduated, what did you go do? I worked at Goldman Sachs for 10 years. One place for 10 years. One place for 10 years. Hey, so do you ever heard of Cody Sanchez? No. Okay, go ahead. We'll talk about this later. Okay. Go ahead. So, so you go to Goldman Sachs I go to, for go, years. go to Goldman, and I work in a couple different departments over the course of those 10 years. And I'm going to speed through this because you asked for the highlight reel. Yeah. At some point, halfway into my 10 years in, um, in New York City, where I got to move to with 10 of my best girlfriends from college, I met incredible people. Um, I got my face kicked in, in terms of work. I learned what it felt like to stand on my own two feet. And just as an aside, from my dad who had three daughters, he mm. had some goals for us and one of which, one of those was to stand financially independent on our own two okay. feet after college. Um, Did you have a lot of debt from going to Princeton? No, I was lucky because wow. combination of a lot of support from family, grant money, I worked through college, mm -hmm. um, I was very lucky. And yes. so, so halfway into my time in New York City, I met my husband Okay. and he was Where's there. He from? Colorado. Okay. Two West Coast kids. Yeah, sure. Just hanging out in New York City. What's he do at He's, the time? He was an orthopedic surgeon. He was in sure. residency. Okay. Yep. Residency. We got matched on a blind date and... Uh, like the, two friends hooked y'all up? Yeah, families. That's awesome. Know. I know. The world is sometimes cool. really That's small. So cool. yeah. Sometimes really small. And so we dated, got married, and Mike, um, my husband, got matched at a fellowship at Andrew Sports Medicine in Birmingham, Alabama. No way. And it's an algorithm um, that sends you where you are off to for a fellowship. So there's not a lot of choice in the matter. But speaking of privileges, it was a pretty incredible email to receive to say, hey, you've been matched at Andrews because. So what year was this? So you got, what year was this? You this graduated in 06 and so 16. So he came, y'all came here in 16? That's right. Oh, see, I haven't been here long. No, not long at all. Okay, so we moved back in 17. So we haven't, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he gets here in 16, 17, and he's working. What do you come to, I mean, there's no Goldman Sachs here in Birmingham. Correct. So what do you, what do you come to do? So I, for those first couple of years, um, at first I will say the caveat to moving down, we had both expected to only be here for one year for fellowship. And then we thought we'd swing back to the West Coast. And so after a year or so, um, the partners that he was working with had invited him to stay. And we had dinner one night and some bottles of wine and we asked ourselves, is this something we should consider? Sure. And at the time, the likely scenarios for us were Colorado or California, yeah. where our families were, because we didn't know anyone here. We'd met wonderful people, but it wasn't our community. Yeah. It wasn't where we intended to stay. Um, but we put all of the cards on the table, and as we wanted to start a family and consider you know, opportunities for ourselves, we were open to Birmingham. Um, and ultimately, for lots of reasons, we decided to stick around. And that was in 2017, we put roots down. Okay, so he, well, fellowship, tell me, so he goes from residency to fellowship. What is fellowship exactly? What's Fel that in that? In it's a one world? year, and I think, in, and by the way, if anyone is listening to this with a medical degree, you'll probably correct me on this one, but depending on your discipline, you can go to fellowship for one or multiple years to really specialize. And so this fellowship was focused on sports medicine. Okay. Yeah, very specific. And so working with some of the great surgeons that tend to work with athletes, whether that is sure. an elite NFL player or, you know, the mom that needs 
some uh, a knee surgery and she wants to get back to skiing. You know, it's everything in between. And so after that fellowship ended, you know, real life essentially begins. Where are you going to be a practicing attending physician? And, and that raising kids and your wife and all that stuff. All the things. Because everybody says that doctors give up their twenties. Is that true? That's fairly true. From my secondhand experience, these guys, these women, these people that decide to subscribe to a career in medicine, it is selfless. It is involved. It is expensive. Sure. It is hard. Um, while I was in New York spending time with my friends and zipping off to weddings all across the country, Mike was not. Mike was on call. Mike was studying residency, residency right? So when did y'all, how long, were y'all married in New York or married here in Birmingham? Right before we moved. So in New York for a short period of time and then essentially right before we moved to Birmingham. So you guys haven't been married too super long. So how long have y'all been married? Seven years. Seven years. Great. Yeah. Okay. So you moved to Birmingham. You've got Goldman Sachs experience, 10 years of that. When you came to Birmingham, what did you do? I solicited advice from one of my old bosses at Goldman because I knew the idea of working remotely didn't quite exist in the same frame that it does now. And so I had to figure out a new career path. Um, I had dabbled in the startup world for a minute, but I had um, solicited some advice, and this advice that my old boss had given me was to put perfect on paper and to put a time limit to find it. And perfect, she said, was everything. It was the industry you wanna work in, the number of hours you wanna work, the money that is associated with that, the types of skills you get to flex, the type of boss you have. And so I went down the line of perfect. And for me, perfect was really specific. I'd always wanted to work in tech. I'd always wanted to work in the cyberspace. Um, I wanted to work for a private company that was beyond the scope of like a very early stage, but had a a really legitimate CEO on board. I wanted to be able to work remotely. Um, I had compensation in mind. I wanted to be able to travel to different places. I wanted to work with, I was very specific. And I gave myself- extremely specific because at 32 years old, I was coaching college football and had no freaking clue of any of that stuff. Well, I got some good guidance and well, I kind of knew. And the, your 10 years, your 10 years from 22 to 32 was totally different than my 10 years. I mean like Sounds business, like yeah. I mean just different things. Okay, so he put this on paper. And I gave myself 90 days. Oh gosh. And at 90 days, I start crossing things off the list because I prioritize those elements. What's the most important for me? The most important for me is to be with my family and be able to work from Birmingham, Alabama. Right. And then everything else I'd give up. When you say family, you mean your husband or? Just Mike. Yeah, it was just Mike and me. Mike and me and the seeds of what we hoped was a broader family. Right. Right. And so that was important. And then everything else I thought was I could give up. Um, And so I gave myself 90 days and I found four companies that kind of checked the box. And then I whittled it down to two. Um, And I will. Um, I'll tell you the one that I ended up working Perfect. with, Forescout. And so I worked for Forescout. Um, what is that? F-O-R-E-S-C-O-U-T, um, cybersecurity company. And they had a base in Atlanta. They had um, uh, an office in New York, but they were based in Silicon Valley. Um, the CEO was very well known. The board was very legitimate. They had raised some capital. They'd been around. They had technology that was very legitimate. And I found every window and door I possibly could to knock down and essentially forced my way in, if you will. And I forced an interview on uh, a gentleman that ran operations. How much did being 10 years at Goldman help you? It helped a lot. lot. I think it was credentializing for someone who didn't have technology experience, because I was able to articulate the skills that I did have. Your experience was finance. It was, yeah. Okay, so this is a great lesson. How much did you leverage your relationships at Goldman to get into Forescout? 
I leveraged the brain power, the ideas and the mentorship first. And I asked for support and guidance and sponsorship. And then I had those people that were listed as credentialed um, people to call, right? My reference checks. And that was pretty compelling. But I, but I didn't make any phone calls of my Goldman people asking if they knew anybody, if that makes sense. So, so, so the, I think the lesson here is this, is the sweat and the time that you put in working with whoever it is, whether it's a football coach that I worked with or someone at Goldman Sachs or wherever, those are relationships that God has given you to leverage and use. And use sounds like a horrible thing there, but it is, a, it is something that you need to use to take the next step because that's what that's the experience that God had given you. And some people, it frustrates me. Well, I don't want to ask so-and-so to call. No, you gave, let's just use a name, John, 10 years of your life at this company. <laughs> the least he can do is talk about how awesome Jen Ryan is to Forescout. Yes. And I mean, you saying all those things is really, really encouraging because I, I tell people all the time, hey, have so-and-so call. Hey, put this on your resume, have whatever. Because I'll give you a great example. And I don't know if you do this because we'll talk about Blue Root. When I'm looking through, and I don't look through a lot of resumes, but if I like look through resumes and I see Chick-fil-A on there, they go to the top of the list. Yes, sir. And that sounds so silly because we are the total antithesis of Chick-fil-A and so are you. But if they've got Chick-fil-A on there, especially if it's in a management mm-hmm. something, they're, they're different. They are. And here, when I was at Goldman and looking through resumes, mm-hmm. the stacks that would come in, for a wild card kid like me from Southern California to having an English literature degree to mm-hmm. somehow maneuvering my way into Wall Street because I truly was a wild card kid in that scenario. But I promised my very first boss that despite not having an internship, despite not having finance experience, despite not taking, at that point, any econ classes, I knew nothing. I would be the first one in and the last one out, and I would work, I would would outwork anyone, and I would also pick up things quickly. Um, For me, I wanted to find other people that had that track record. And you know what I looked for on my resumes? College athletes. Absolutely. And so for me, identifying, and that could be club, it could be a chess team, it didn't matter, but somebody that had notable extracurriculars where it was a big part of his or her life. And they didn't make a lot of freaking money when they did it. No. The time management, the awareness, the ability to work on a team, the ability to fight through adversity, the ability to take feedback. And I still, those skills to me still translate into the best hires I've ever made because it comes down a lot to me to work ethic and coachability, sure. right? Um, and I found those traits in some of the best colleagues and athletes that I worked with. Um, and so that's what I ended up looking for in those huge stacks of resumes from those 4.0 kids that were wildly successful from Super all of the schools smart. you know, yeah. right? Um, and had all of the accolades and had all of the... the, the, the all list, the boxes the were checked. The boxes were checked. Yeah. Um, these kids tended to have an element that was sometimes hard to quantify. Right, sure. And so anyway, that's what I looked for. So, Four Scout, you get in at Four Scout. You get in, Mike, um, in a twist, right? Mike gets a fellowship in Europe and we're gone for four months. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, this is, in, this is all when he assigned. So you came to Birmingham. Yes, to sign on dotted year. line. 
And then he goes to Europe for yes. four months. Yes, so he, he really started full-time when we got back from Europe. So we had this... But Andrews and him were okay with him going to Europe. They were supportive because he was going to train and essentially... Um, garner some skills in a very Learn specific radio. Be able to bring, bring back but, okay, that the practice didn't have. I would, right. I let him go too. So great. Okay. So we go, we pick up and we go, and my company in California lets me work remotely. So I work in Europe for those three or four months. We take the company public at the end of our time. We fly back, we take Forescout public, and at that point in time. What are you doing at Forescout? Um, operations. Operations. How, how big is the company? How many employees? That's a great question. I need to gut check yes. that one. Ish. Hundreds, maybe. Okay. May, we're not terribly large. Maybe breaching five hundred at that point. Honestly, I'm feeling bad because I'm misremembering no how big because we grew pretty quickly. But it's not fifty and it's not five thousand. Correct. Okay. And coming from Goldman, where we were over thirty thousand people, and sure. I'd worked at a startup where we had ten people in a small room in Soho, it was in between those. Two. Yeah. So yeah. okay. So you're doing operations. Yep. Give me the ten second version of what operations is for a cybersecurity company. So. We're a sales company. Okay. We sell technology. Sure. So I'm working with the guys that are going to grow the company. And that my role was really focused on strategy, finance, and operations for our US business. Right? How do we go grow? What industries do we pursue? How do we engage with them? Where do we need to be supporting? We spent a lot of time with the government. We spent a lot of time in healthcare. Um, but the world, the, I, the idea of IoT, you know, smart technology, yeah, as you yeah, know sure. today, was really becoming part of everyone's you know, vernacular. People were starting to get it. Mm -hmm. And so the risks involved, particularly as, as a hospital or as a school or with all the tablets, I mean, mm -hmm. you start to think about the risk and the risk you have to mitigate. And so that was our focus. How do we go grow the company and bring that technology to different areas and angles? So you come back from Europe to yep. take, the public, public, mm -hmm. to take the company public, then what? Then the question was, we're in Birmingham now. Do I want to continue to hop on a plane and fly? The company now is under different management, right? Because we've grown. I've worked for a public company before. Um, do we? Do I want to continue to do what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. um, and as I was having these, I don't know, moments of a crisis would be too strong of a word, but sure. moments of reflection, consideration, mm -hmm. as I was on my way to Birmingham Airport a lot, away from my, I guess, at that point. Newlywed-ish yeah, husband. Right? Yeah. And thinking through where we wanted to go, I was getting really hungry for good food, quality mm -hmm. food. And I was really lucky that's, to grow up. That is not what I thought you were nope. segueing. No, nope. <laughs> no, nope. um, But the point was there, I kept lamenting the lack of healthy fuel for me to be able to grab at the airport, on the way to the airport, something that was accessible that I had in New York or Los Angeles. Mm. And I was feeling like I wasn't taking good care of myself. And this is again, when I was in the mindset of trying to be kind to myself before becoming a mom. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to balance the high stresses of what I was doing sure. with you know, the care on the side. And eating well was a really big part of that. And I didn't have the access that I did in those other two cities that I lived in. Okay, so I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. So were, these are short, short uh, answers. Did you work a lot at Goldman? Yes. Like 50 or like 90? Between. Okay. Have you always been, so a lot of kinds of athletes tend to be, where you, have you always been healthy as far as food and exercise? Yes. So it's, it's, all, it's, not, it's, not, it's not, it's part of who you are. It's part of who I am. Um, did you see your health decline when you moved here and you weren't eating as, quote, well? Yes. Just a little bit, but a little bit, en enough for me to recognize. Enough for you to recognize. Mm -hmm. So you're, on the, you're, you're talking about, okay, the other question, this is super personal. So when you're a four scout, 
and y'all went public, did you have any sort of shares? Did you cash those out when you left? Mm-hmm. Did that? Okay, so go ahead. So here I am contemplating our next step, our move. Um, where to go from here? Mike is situated in his practice. Yep. We're finding friends. We're building a community. Where do y'all live? We're in Mountain Brook. Okay. Um, enjoying the idea of a different speed of life, right? Different than New York City. We now have neighbors that we know. I lived in an apartment building for one apartment building for five years, never knew my neighbors, right? This it's just a different experience. Sure. Um, grass. And the grass. Yeah. We now have two dogs. Yes. Cost of living. I mean, all these things yeah. that as you as one gets older, one appreciates more. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we decided at that dinner table before we left for Europe, when we asked ourselves if Birmingham was a place we wanted to be because we were gonna be here for more than just a minute, we promised ourselves we weren't just going to exist here. Sure. We were gonna really live here. We were gonna do it. We are gonna do it right. Make friends. Make friends. Find a church. Invest in the community, all of the things. And part of that for me was figuring out how to contribute. And as a 30 something year old person who wasn't from here, who didn't have kids yet, I just didn't quite Along. I wasn't sure of how I was going to contribute to a community that wasn't inherently mine. Now, I projected a lot because Birmingham happened to be really welcoming to an outsider like me. It is, it is very welcoming. Mm-hmm. To an outsider who had never worked in food, save for a very first job at a restaurant, had never run a restaurant, and wasn't from here. And I'm... This is, this is a, even more crazy than, than my story. So, I'm going to back up. Finance for 10 years, cybersecurity for probably a year or two. Three, yeah. Three years. Two, yes. You come home, hey Mike, I'm gonna stop my job making probably well over six figures, I would imagine, and we're gonna open a freaking restaurant. Well, there was a little little twist in there. Okay. I had no intention of opening up a restaurant, so I wrote a manifesto to every fast, casual, healthy food spot that I knew of. And I'll, I'll hold off from naming them right here. I but, was fixing to ask you a name. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> brands in California and New York City. And I sent them everything they needed to know. Demographic information, median yeah. household Locations, income. Competitive intel. Growth rate. I yeah, basically handed them a book and said, hey, I am starving for something like you. You would crush it down here. Please. Please. Let me ask you a question. Do you really think they would crush it down here, though? Well... In your soul, you thought, because I'll buy it every day. Based on the data, but no. What I learned, Birmingham is a supporter and lover of homegrown organic goodness, right? And so when you think about chains, which are the people to whom I was writing. Corporate. Yeah. And Mm. not only was there not, and this is where you sort of say things are meant to be and they work out how they should. um, I didn't get responses from most of those people. And people that did said, Birmingham, a tertiary city in the deep south that is not on our radar. Because despite what metrics you might send that might look good, there's no way that something that we do in this realm of healthy food would ever make it. And so, yes, I went home to Mike and I said, this is wild. I, if I cannot have somebody else bring this to Birmingham, I'm gonna build it myself. But I gave myself a similar exercise to my old boss at Goldman. And I gave myself a time frame. Would you call it perfect what? She just told me to put perfect on paper. Perfect on paper. Yeah. That's what it was. And perfect for me was all the things I mentioned. Perfect yeah. for this was very specific milestones within a 12-month period of time. Because at that point in time, it was either going to happen or it wasn't. And I wasn't going about, you know, about to go throw our life savings down the toilet. Sure. And so we checked in every quarter to make sure that milestones were being hit. And this was small, small, small goings at the farmer's market. So 2000, 
This is 2019. Yes. So 2000, we love the farmer's market. Pepper Place Farmer's Market plug. It's awesome. In it's amazing. Um, so 2019, you leave, the, leave the, the nice job, and then you go into this. What are the first steps that you, because this is, this is like what people want to know. Mm-hmm. So you leave a great job that you love. Now, mm-hmm. you have a huge advantage because you've made money in the past, mm-hmm. and your husband does really well because he's a doctor. Obviously, too, at this point, you probably got, he's probably got a lot of debt because of all that good stuff. But financially, there's a lot of money coming in the home. But there are a lot of people like you, Jen, that, that are extremely hard workers, but they're just like, I, I know that there's something else out there. Mm-hmm. So what was the transitioning point of like, how did you, and here's what everybody wants to know. Mm-hmm. Hey, how did you start? Mm-hmm. So another piece of great advice mm-hmm. I got from a, a mentor from my early days was be really specific about your gaps. Your gaps. Your gaps, your blind spots, okay. where, where your skills are lacking, okay, yeah. right? And so for me, it was obvious. I did not grow up with a culinary background, right? I yeah. cook at home. I have decent skills. I'd call Mike the better cook in the family. Yeah. The point being, I knew if I wanted to even remotely move into food, I was going to need to hire for this space. Okay. And so in August of 2018, I started to put feelers out. And I asked everybody I knew if they knew people, chefs in town, and I met as many people as would be open to meeting with me over coffee to talk about the idea of slinging salads in Birmingham, Alabama. And one person happened to be not only open to the idea, but subscribed to this philosophy of understanding where food comes from. He had lived all over the world and he was interesting, interested in doing something new. And that is the chef that I teamed up with, Robin Bashinsky. And Robin acted as a consultant for those first six months to just help me put a menu together. And Robin joined me every Saturday at Pepper Place Market once we launched. But that was the beginning. We just had to put a menu together and ask ourselves, is this interesting? And then I talked to friends. Because you have to socialize the idea and get some feedback. Sure. Right? Once we had enough supportive anecdotal evidence coming through the door, yes, there are people that would like the idea of this. That's nice. But will people actually pay right. for this? Pay right? money for it. So, I'll try it. But I'm not going to pay for it. Exactly. So I did two things. One, I joined a Create Birmingham Monday night course that essentially helped me formalize some of the needs of running a small business. How do I get my permits? How do I get my licenses? Do I have my legal stuff rolled up? I mean, these are things I think I knew how to do, but I looked to someone else to help give a little bit of structure to that. And that was helpful. And that was 6 to 9 p.m. for like eight weeks. Okay. Okay. So a little bit of structure and so then I got chef, resources. You get a chef the, to consult. You're mm-hmm. paying him a little bit mm-hmm. and you're, you come up with a menu and then you go to this course that just, just like the nuts and the bolts that mm-hmm. no one really ever thinks about. Right. It's really the infrastructure, the, the foundation, right? And it, it helps you think through the story and the narrative, but I needed more support on how do I make sure that I, my risks are mitigated, right? Mm-hmm. My legal considerations are handled. My insurance is covered. Like LLC, insurance, all, all the stuff, stuff, right? Okay. okay. So that just helps me check some boxes, which I'm sure I could have figured out, but it really gave me the checklist. It also opened me up to free resources. So I used the hell out of free resources in Birmingham. Create Birmingham. Um, Forge was a, is a place yeah. that's a co-working um, place here and Kim who runs it was really supportive in those early days it's also how I met my current lawyer Josh at Gatehouse okay. um, I am blanking on all of the other wonderful nonprofits that helped those me those are plenty yeah but, that's good but the point being it opened the door to the fact that there were free resources in town and people who saw someone with a business plan Mm-hmm. And some gumption and some ownership said, I'm happy to introduce you. 
And so it just started that snowball. And so that was point number one. Point number two, when the Pepper Place Farmer's Market opened that April, it was April 20th, 2019, my parents flew in. Robin and I get there at four o'clock in the morning and we are there testing the market after this anecdotal sort of support in the fall. We're testing with our friends, now we take it to the streets. So you started in 18, when, when in 18? August is when I met Robin. So you met Robin in 18, August mm-hmm. of 18. So you you launched your first thing in April of 19. So yes. less than a year. Yeah. yeah, less than a year. Formed okay. the LLC in January, handled the nuts and bolts, put together the business plan, formalized my you know costs, the out-of-pocket costs I was going to need, and I just focused on Pepper Place. Just one venue, a few things on the menu, very Farmers simple. Markets. Here, here's for anybody. I don't care if you sell food, you sell jewelry, you sell tomatoes, uh, shirts, farmers markets are the ultimate testing ground. If you got an idea you want to test and it suck, that sucker doesn't sell anything there, it's probably, it needs to be revamped. Yep. And so you did this in April. Yes. And through the summer. Okay. And after two months, we started seeing, so in, so we're rolling into Q2, we started in Q2 and we're rolling into Q3 in 2019. And the data is telling us that people like this. The data is supportive. There's a, enough money coming in to say, okay, keep going. It's not, we're not rolling in cash by any means, but we have enough people, enough loyal customers, and enough people that are interested. So I go to Sloss. And only, the only way people are getting your stuff is through on Saturday at Pepper Place. Mm-hmm. So if for those of the people that don't know, because there's a lot of people that don't know what, mm-hmm. what Blue Root is, tell me what Blue Root, what you guys specialize in yeah. those early days, what were you selling? really focused on salads. So today we do salads, burgers, and bowls, but in those early days, it was really two things. It was salads, and it was a couple of superfood snacks. Yes, superfood snacks. Very simple. Those are great samples, by the way. Very, very simple. And so after two months, we saw traction, and we saw milestones being hit, and we looked at each other and we said, okay, let's keep going, because every quarter, that was a promise to myself. I'm not gonna go spend money unless it's working. I walked- Only spend money that you're making. Correct. Well, look, everyone has their own philosophy on growth and the trajectory, no. but for us, it was I'm a, we needed you. to be thoughtful and I didn't want to run, like we didn't have, you know, countless amount of funds to use either. We needed to be smart about it. And I also needed to fail fast to recognize that this wasn't going to work. I'd rather pivot into something Do else something and spend else. my time appropriately. Okay. In this first eight or nine months, did you take out any debt to do any of this? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. That's coming. Okay. And so this was all, I was in a lucky position to be able to leverage what we had had and we were really really responsible with how we were spending right so just incremental and just making tweaks based on feedback paying yourself at all no not a dime no got it still don't probably shouldn't say that but i still don't (laughs) um but this is the life of a startup and other people will tell you add yourself to the payroll and i'm sure there are arguments for both sides for me i didn't and i haven't because but if if you pay yourself forty thousand dollars what could forty thousand dollars do to a small business I mean, I just use that as an example, just 40K. I mean, that, that's a lot of money that you could- It would be a, a hemorrhaging hole that a Band-Aid could fix. And it would be really, it'd be difficult to manage. And it'd also be difficult to explain once we start to grow and we start to identify opportunities for you know expansion. And that's hard. So in any event, like I said, there's probably different ways to think about this, yeah. but for us, it was incremental adjustments. And the biggest thing outside of this, so number one, the business class, number two, starting focus with a narrow menu in a narrow space, number three, I asked for feedback all the time. I sent surveys. I asked for people to, it was before the era of really QR codes. I asked them to fill out um, questionnaires. It was all anonymous, but I wanted to know what people thought. 
Yeah. I want. I asked them everything. I asked about pricing behavior, how they spent money. I asked them if they liked to spend money on lunch or breakfast. We were testing a breakfast menu. I've never launched a breakfast menu. It's never really been something that people want. Mm -hmm. And so there was just a lot of engagement. And once people recognized that my feelings weren't gonna get hurt, they would tell me, right? It's the hardest thing, especially dealing with like people that you know, trust and love, is like, they, I don't, I'm looking at them and saying, I don't care, I don't, I'm the big boy. Tell me exactly what it is. You're gonna save me time and angst, please. 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 Okay, so you're getting the feedback. Mm -hmm. And you're, it's a, it's you're going through Q3. Mm -hmm. We're going into Q3, and we have enough momentum that I walk to into Pepper Place, and I ask them if they will rent me a vacant space. Because I see this vacant space every Saturday. The one you're in now? Uh-huh. Okay. And it was totally vacant. And I said, can I please take it over? I'll get a health department license. I'll get my business license. I'm gonna put two fridges in there, and I'm gonna test. Because they were coming to us asking if we would put our roots down there. And I said, like, Pepper Place, we're seeing momentum. This is really interesting. Would you ever consider being a part of our community from a brick and mortar perspective? Because there's well, not a fast casual restaurant down there. No, but I, the questions are why? Yeah. The questions are who's coming? The only way to test that is not to ask people because they'll say, oh, I'll come, yeah. I'll leave the office. That sounds great. No, my friend, we needed a test. So in July, the worst month of the year, mm -hmm. right? Everybody's because of summer, right? I pulled two fridges in there that I bought and I got my permits and my licenses, and we had our commissary kitchen, so we were preparing food, sealing it, Where and then transfer. We were, we would have been at um, uh, the kitchen station at that point in Irondale. Yeah, okay. so we, we had two different ones, sure. and before we, you know, grew up and grew, built our own yeah. kitchen, and they leased that space for me for thirty days, for five hundred dollars. And I got the insurance coverage and I put two fridges in there and I opened up. 30 days. 30 days. That's crazy. It's crazy. But it was so vacant that I probably am overstepping here, but the, I had the storyline and the narrative to say I, I could not sign long-term unless I was able to test. Here's the lesson. The lesson is this, ask. Ask. What are they gonna say, no? Laugh me out of the room? I've already been laughed out of the room. So you got a 30-day lease to test this. It wasn't even a lease, it was just a, I borrowed it. It was a. 500 bucks, give us 500, it's like mom and them. Give like, me 500 bucks, you can, you can set up you, for me. You cover the utilities, you handle the stuff, make sure you've got insurance, if anything happens, it's not on us. And you know, we put the legal documents in place, sure. but the point is, there was nothing going on. It's the the worst retail month of the year, so I knew that if I could prove this worked at the worst time of the year, yeah. in a place where I didn't even have a kitchen, and I had two fridges, I opened on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and then Saturdays in the market, for lunch only, like 11 to two, and then Saturdays. It was a solid enough month for us to say there's something here. Okay, after the month, what happened? So then we start to go wholesale. This is 19. 19, summer of 19. <laughs> we continue forging forward at the farmer's markets. Now we're expanding and we're catering. Now we're delivering to places. Now we're teaming up with offices. Okay. And now we're also going wholesale in fitness studios, right? Okay. So Pilates studio or a spin studio, and we're starting to get engaged with women between 25 and 45 that are looking for healthy options. Okay, when you do that, are you, are they pre-ordering and you're dropping off? So at first, I was giving away the farm. Yeah. I said to them, I will charge you for what is sold at the end of the week, right? These are our superfood snacks. We're not doing salads. We're doing long shelf life stuff that can, that can be in the fridge for a couple of days. People can take it home and enjoy for two more weeks. Very low risk, very- No risk by them. Very easy. And so they're not paying up front, they're paying on the heel. So there was no risk for them to say, let's try it. And so for me to come in, I gave samples. I was there to talk about the food. I was able to talk to them about ingredients, give the spiel all on my own time and dime. Yeah. And all I did was drop goods off and we just tested. And we 
took track of, you know, kept track of the metrics, how things were selling, what, what was, what wasn't, got a lot of feedback. And that really started to ramp in Q4 as did catering. Hmm. So in Q4 of 2019, I went to the bank and I said, I think it's time. Mm. Okay, now it's time. Can the SBA support this business plan? Here's what we want to do. Here's how much space we need. Here's the scope of the project. When you say catering, because that's the space I'm in, mm-hmm. what were you, who are you catering to? Mostly law firms, corporations, box salad lunches. Hey, I need a healthy lunch that I can bring there, in. Yes. Somebody can Simple grab it. menu. I had five things to choose from. Really kept it narrow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They can okay. come in. It's labeled. It's clear. We drop it off at a certain time, set it up. It's done. Great. Not shaving dishes, not hot. I mean, very simple. Right. For us, we were a team of maybe four at that time. Okay. Right. A couple 1099s that were able to come now and then sure. and Robin and me. Um, and so in Q4, build a business plan, update the pro forma, look ahead at projections. Take it to the I bank. mean, and they're like, okay, this looks like a little bit of a flyer. Let's stress test this. We've only, we've only been going for a year now. Let's roll. Um, but here are all the stipulations, right? You and Mike are on the hook. This is an SBA loan. This is what this means. Connected to the house. I mean, a lot of the personal risk we assumed, right? But yep. we went to the bank instead of outside investors. I wanted to maintain control. Yep. Give or to, and that may or may not be the right call for everybody. But for me, it was, if I'm going to go down in flames, I don't want anyone else to go down with me. But I wanted to be able to. So we went to the bank and we tried to be as responsible as possible about how much we really needed. SBA loan. SBA loan. a personal guarantee. Personal guarantee. How much did you, how much did you borrow? $695,000. 700 grand. Yeah. Okay. Right. And that did meant. You have to, okay. So in this, so this is mm-hmm. an education for people. Mm-hmm. You borrowed 700 K. Did you have to put anything down? Yes. Yes. Okay. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but it wasn't small. 15 right? or 20%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Still a lot of money. You got to put a lot of money and you connect it to your house and like you're on the hook. Yeah. yeah no, right? no, sure. It goes down like. Goodbye. Yeah. But at the same time, this was this give and take, this family conversation. I personally did not want to bring other investors in. A little bit of it had to do with the fact that I hadn't done this before, right? There's a, there's a real, you know, concern and nervousness of how do I take it to the next, you need money to make money, sure. right? Um, I wanted to take it to the next level. I looked at the options on the table and also, you know, maintaining a level of control. That, listen. That's it. So that's where that's where we ended up, right? So that was a decision for yeah. us and our family, and it's why I don't sleep at night, right? It's why I still, you know, think and worry about everything that could go wrong yeah. because we're on the hook. But it's in a healthy way now because yeah. now we've got you know a couple of years in a rebel. We'll get there anyway. So my Check SBA lo- loan closes. Hey, let's nineteen. This is like August nineteen, September. This 19. is Q four. Rolling toward the end of the year, holidays come around, we've submitted the documentation, I'm on the phone with the SBA over Christmas, like we are rolling. February 28th, the Uh, loan comes through. uh, What do we do with it? February of 2020. (laughs) Ah, this is so awesome. Okay, but not really. No, so there's money sitting in the bank and I don't touch it because we don't know what we're going to do. We've got plans for Pepper Place. We've got an architect. We've got a contractor. We've got build out. Which is expensive. In it's all expensive. We don't touch that money because I am unsure of where the world is headed. So you get the thing approved in February. This is crazy. The timing's nuts. You get the thing approved in February and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't take, out, you didn't take out a dime. No. So Pump you're the not brakes. having to pay a payment at this no, time. No, that's terrifying. Right. So there's no reason to introduce more risk when there's too much uncertainty in the world at large. Right. And so flash forward, now we're still running on, well, what we thought was our revenue streams, wholesale fitness studios. Those are closed. Catering. Nobody's in the office. Our revenue goes to zero. 
farmer's market closes. Yep. We have a few bucks coming in from the farmer's market that was outside. If anyone remembers this in Birmingham, you could drive through the farmer's do, market. Right down right? the road, right down right? the road. Yeah. yeah. And all of us, including the farmers, that. it was awful. Oh. It was awful. You had, to order, you had to order, order pre-order. Ahead. You had to pre-order. I remember that because my freaking family was pissed because like my kids love the farmer's mm-hmm. market. Okay. So you're making just pennies doing Pennies. That. And I'm still paying people. Yeah. And so in April of 2020, mm-hmm. I'm out of money, right? Yeah. At this point, it's like you either infuse it yourself or you say, it's been fun. Yeah. And by the grace of God, I was awarded Entrepreneur of the Year by La Dame in Birmingham. Don't ask me how, why, or- Who is that? It's a chapter of a global organization of women in food. People in this organization are women that you would know. The Slosses are in there, Kristen Hall. I mean, like Nate, yeah, Ashley yeah. Mack. I mean, women that you would know in town. And this is a chapter of a global, a global organization. And so at some point, I've met some of these women. They've taken me under their wing. They've given me some advice. You've they've been, been incredible. Them, coffee, stuff like that. Yeah. How do I think through this scenario? It's March, we're not sure what's going on. And they named me the Entrepreneur of the Year with a $6,000 check. And you know what that did? What? It covered payroll for April. That's the only reason we, we survived. And we roll into May, and now I don't really have anything to show for where we're going. So we have to figure out a way to pivot. It is spring of 2020, mm. and light bulb goes on for a friend of a friend named Melanie Pounds, who runs Patina in Mountain Brook. It's a beautiful store, and we got connected because Melanie had an idea that she could turn her closet into something that might help us, a walk-up window. Mm. So we spend $30,000 and outfit this thing. We get the health department, the police department, the fire department, and the city of Mountain Brook to come and scope out 180-square-foot space that used to be a closet, and we ask them, can we turn this into a food-safe place if we make everything at our commissary? Sure. Can I put two fridges, a mop sink, a three-comp, the ceilings, where, where is this at? In Mountain Brook Village yeah. on Petticoat Lane. It's a tiny one-way street. And if you drive down today, we'll talk about yeah. what we've done since then, you, you drive right by it, it's 10 feet wide. And we added an awning, a front door, and in July of 2020, we opened as a walk-up wow. window where we could sell our goods and we convinced the city to give us three of those pull-up parking spots. So people could order online, flip their trunks open and we could and run out salads, family meals, and we just did whatever we could. Hustle. Hustle. Yeah. Hustle. So at this time, how are you marketing? Because there's not, like, what are you doing? Are you doing social? Or are you doing email? Are social you doing text? media, email. I hadn't figured out the SMS campaign, which by the way is an incredibly amazing feat if you're a business owner, like, and yeah. do that. It's, a, it's wonderful and it yields great results, I found. Um, but we were just emailing. I emailed a newsletter every week with the menu. Um, I was on social media, which I'm pretty bad at, and mm. I still run our own social media, so you can judge for yourself. And it was word of mouth. It was just, I mean, it was as old school as putting flyers on cars sure. in Mountain Brook Village. You're in a great demographic, though. Mm-hmm. And people were looking for good food. They were stir crazy, too. This totally. is only three months in, and mm-hmm. people were like freaking wanting to go do something. Correct. So this was our holdover. This was our Hail Mary pass, yeah. our bridge to the long-term play. It was never part of the business plan. So you do this in 20. Mm-hmm. Is that place still there now? It is. But we've evolved it, and now it's a broader market called Teeny's Take-Home Market. 
Okay. Um, a really cool woman named Tina is running it day to day. She makes beautiful Mediterranean family meals. We've got Blue Root stuff in there, the breakup cookies in there. But the idea is it's women and food. It's a market. So it's not Blue Root. Mm-mm, not just Blue Root. Now we've expanded. Yeah. So now you've got other women and food okay. at this market. You can go grab all the goods, grab Tina's lasagna for dinner, grab a protein box from Blue Root for lunch tomorrow, grab a breakup cookie because they're so darn good, and other goods in there too. Um, huh. And so the idea there was there were too many women asking me how I broke in. And I was like, well, I don't really have a great yeah. playbook here. A little bit of it was luck, a little bit of it was knowing, but what can we do to pay it forward? Sure. Let's open um, open the doors. Huh. So now we are able to support more women in food, that yeah. tiny little market, and Tina's doing a phenomenal job, and we get to support each other, because it's, it's hard. Very difficult. It's hard. And food, is a hard, food is a hard industry. If you don't have any, I say money, I don't know if it's money or if it's just, if you've got to be able to work hard. You can't outsource it. you got to show up, hard. and it's in person. Yeah. And this might be, well, the next you know, six months were us slugging away at the outpost is what we mm-hmm. called it, this little walk-up window. But by December, we thought we had some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So we thought, okay, maybe we can start. Have you touched the 700K yet? Not yet. Not a day. Not, <clears throat> not yet. We started to at the end of the year. So at the end of the year, now we're like, let's move. We're going to do Pepper Place. We're going to break ground in January. Okay. I'm going to lock in all of my equipment pricing in 2020. So money starts to go out the door. Hundreds of thousands of dollars start to go out to all the things you know you need. Sure. You need to walk in, you need a hood, yeah. you need all the stuff. Um, we haven't even gotten to small wares and labor, but we start to spend money. We have the plans drawn up for Pepper Place that had kind of been drawn, but now we're able to really hit the gas. We've got the contract ready to go, and on January 10th, 2021, we break ground. That's awesome. How long did it take? Um, we opened in July. So six months. But to be truthful, there was a little twist in there. I had a baby in May of 21. So we were ready to open in May. I just, I couldn't. Yeah, sure. And that was this joy and stress that was coming all together with, oh gosh, this one thing we've been so excited about and we've waited for. What I tell people all the time, your two babies. Yeah. Your business is for you a second child, for me a fourth child. And the problem that we get into is that we get frustrated when our people don't do the things that we do. Mm-hmm. But I would do anything for my best friend's kid. But he's going to love her so much more. And it is like a second kid because you created it. You've cried over it. You've sweat over it. Yeah. All those things. All the things. And having two kids, and that's what it is is an absolutely amazing thing. And you can't really, just like I could never explain to you, your kid and what, what you feel like when you see it, you can't, you can't do it. You yeah. can't do it until you see it. No. And you can't do that from a business, from a business owner's perspective either. Like I can identify with you mm-hmm. extremely well because mm-hmm. I've been in this, your same shoes. But there's a lot of people that don't own their own yeah. business. No freaking clue. No. And I have to tell myself this all the time. Thomas, you can't get frustrated with it. I know. Because if they were doing it like you wanted it to be done all the time, they would have their own thing. It's fair. And it's, and you have to have grace there. Yes. Um, now, when you get the ones that you love and that you think, man, they got it, you got to hold on to you them. You hold on tight. 
You're so, so darn lucky. Okay, yeah. so July. So July we open. 21. So yes, yeah, so I have a baby in May. Vaughn is born and she is a gift and it has been a road to become a parent. Right. And it was that mo- those moments were so sweet, but I really wasn't sure how to navigate opening a business when I had a team and payroll and bills waiting for me to say, let's go. But I also wanted that moment. How much are you working right now? Um, well, let's talk, about, let's talk about July when you open to September, October. How much are you working? Right. At the, at the outset, yeah. a lot. And Vaughn is with me in a front pack, a lot of that, but it's still kind of weird COVID time. You know it's what? Just... I guarantee I saw you in there because I remember seeing a woman with a baby in there. Well, that, that was me, my friend. That was I. And I had no qualms I about... that. Yeah. And I, we, look, we didn't prance around the kitchen when she was a newborn, but sure. the point is I would go in to check on my team. And so I relied heavily on Robin and the people that we had. And we're so, so lucky. And we overhired in those early days to make sure that we had, we were able to give all the love to the guests when they walked through the door, because we were still figuring things out. And I wasn't there to do what I like to do, which is tighten the nuts and bolts. Because I'm I'm not perfect at this, but I generally subscribe to, you know, that old adage, the, um, you don't rise to the level of your your goals, but you fall to the level of your systems, right? Like the systems and processes in place. And I had been, I hadn't been in a place to be able to tighten all those that I want, like I wanted to, right, with a newborn. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm relying on other people. And this is a, a learning moment for me to be okay with outsourcing some things, relying on people, accepting help. It was probably a blessing in disguise because you couldn't be there all the time. No. And the Lord probably knew that, like, you've obviously proven that you're, I hate to say workaholic, but like you enjoy work. Yeah. And if it would have been different, you would have probably worked too much. Mm-hmm. But you've relied on them from the get-go. I've been really lucky. Yeah. It's crazy. So in so here we are. Vaughn is just a few months old. We're trying to navigate this time as new parents. We don't have any family here. We were so lucky to have parents you know, come in. But to be truthful, we've got a great community, but we don't have the infrastructure that a lot of people have in terms of family, right? When we were in Tennessee, it was the same thing. So you're figuring it out as you go. You're learning as new parents. And it's like you said before, everyone can give you the books and the anecdotes and this, that, and the other. It is not until you're in those moments that you realize, oh my gosh, I've got to figure this out. And so um, this was right around the time we start. So the business is now open. I'm working as much as I can, but still trying to sort of navigate these new dual roles that I have. And right around this time in Q4 of 2021, Mm -hmm. the staffing crisis hits. Okay. Like nobody wants to come to work. Nope. We can't find anybody that wants to work in the hospitality industry. They want seven bucks more an hour than they were getting. And inflation is starting to creep up. The supply chains are still have us, you know, mm-hmm. around, um, you know, like a noose around our neck. You know, this is a business owner. The headwinds that we were feeling in those moments, a lot of people felt like at that time, at least my perception in those sort of later months of 21, like we were in the clear. Okay, it's behind us. And for those of us that were running businesses, it felt like the second tsunami was just about to hit. Sure. Right. And we weren't really sure how to manage what was coming. Right. I wasn't sure how to prepare for the cost um, you know, inflections. I wasn't really prepared for what my workers were going to be asking. I wasn't sure of how to support moms that were working for me that were trying to manage you know, school closure still and like kids that were behind because it, I mean, just so many things. And the it cost, the cost, the cost, the, here's what people don't understand. I'll give you one example. The thing that people don't understand and when, the reason that every restaurant that you go to, the cost went up is I remember chicken, for example, was 40 bucks a case. Mm-hmm. 
I remember at its height, and I don't remember exactly when it was, but at its height, it was $143 a case. Yeah. 40 to 143 in less than six months. And a lot of things were doing that. Mm-hmm. So people don't, people that are griping and complaining about it, like, there's no way I can 2x, two and a half times your, your price. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of eating, no pun intended, mm-hmm. that we're doing on the profit and then- to make it. Right. Palatable for this yeah. guest to be able to buy something. It doesn't even incorporate the rise in labor costs. No. Right. So there's all these elements. So look, there's, if one runs a business and you're in food, you understand all of these sure. elements. It's not appropriate for me to go into a long economic explanation no. for the guest that decides she doesn't understand why, you know, this used to be X dollars and now it's X plus five. Yeah. Right. And there's all the reasons. But in that moment, that person's perception is their reality. And that experience is really negative for that person. So finding ways to navigate those moments again and again and again and again, and just wanting to shout to people, I wish you understood what was going on behind the scenes. But it doesn't matter. It's not, that's not our job to do that for those people. Our job is to somehow figure out at that point in time, what is the business plan? What is sustainable? How can I make sure we're supporting the team that we have? And do we need to narrow the scope? And we kept simplifying. So this is late 2021. Mm-hmm. Has Crew started yet? It was. This was the genesis of Crew. So four colleagues in the industry and I got together, pulling our hair out. Who? Brett Abels is the one who yeah, got us together. Brett. Lindsay Noto. I don't know Lindsay. Lindsay works at Cisco, but is a owner operator. Has run restaurants. A chef okay. by trade. Amazing. Stuart Price, who um, is recently in Birmingham, um, but grew up in the food industry, yeah. um, running operations and essentially a career in the industry. And then Kenny Kung. Who was our who? Kenny Kung, our CTO, okay. who was formerly at Telegraph, and is now full time with Crew, and so the five of us got Why together. Why bring you in the mix? It's a great question. You're a food virgin at this point. I don't know anything. Right. All I know is that there's a problem. Yeah. Um, you'll have to ask Brett that himself. Yeah. But he he went out. It's another example of being a wild card. Um, maybe right place, right time. Yeah. Um, had it not been for Blue Root, I, there's no way I would have been introduced no. to that group, right? So it, you think about the sequencing of this all, it's sort of the meant to be, if you, sure. if you will. Um, but they were nice enough to invite me into this conversation. Give me the 30 second version, your elevator pitch of, elevator pitch of crew. C-R-O-U-X. Correct. Crew, it's spelled like roux, like the base of a dish, yep. but it sounds like crew, join the crew. Play on words there. It's where talent meets opportunity. This is essentially flexible work opportunities for folks in the hospitality industry. So we're trying to support two sides at once, one of which is the people like me that are running businesses that are understaffed, and we are trying to also flex our labor force when we need it. I don't need the same number of people I need on a Monday when everyone has a New Year's resolution that I need on a Friday when everyone wants to eat barbecue, Mm -hmm. but I need people to work. At the same time, the workforce and the behaviors behind this workforce have changed, right? Um, The idea of flexibility and wanting to get paid immediately have now taken precedent Mm. over stability, right? And that could be generational, that could be this country versus others. The point is we're seeing these trends emerge. And so how do we marry what's happening, whether you agree with it or not? I mean, I didn't grow up in this you know, sort of mindset. I showed up to my desk, right. I got my work done, and it wasn't for me to t- say when it was time to go home. <laughs> right. Right. No. Someone else was dictating yeah, what sure. my workload looked like. Um, but I also didn't, um, you know, I also watched what it meant to be a worker in our industry during COVID when every other industry got to phone it in and work through Zoom or have a flexible schedule. 
industries like healthcare and hospitality had to show up. And um, there are enough stories out there, we know them, where people just haven't been treated because they don't have good leaders or they don't have you know good infrastructure or they aren't supported. The point was there's these things happening at once. Businesses were in need and the talent was asking for something different. So to be able to marry them on an app where businesses that need staff can post shifts and people based on their skills and their experiences can get matched with those shifts. So, so here's how I use it, okay, crew. It's an app, I talked to Brett, got introduced to Brett by Tina Leolio. Okay, wonderful lady. Tina is who runs Teeny's Take on Market. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So I go on, go on the app, and if I need a dishwasher, mm-hmm. I need a prep cook, mm-hmm. or I need a server, or I need anything that has to do in restaurant hospitality slash catering, I go on there, I post the description of what I need. I need this person for this many hours for this, this, this. this. Mm-hmm. I put my rate that I will pay them in there. And then crew charges, I want to say 16, 18% mm-hmm. of that. And I have to pay that, which is fine. But I post that. Yep. When I post it, there are multiple people that will apply, mm-hmm. quote, apply for that job. And I can look at their, their resume-ish, but I also look, here's what I look at. Okay, feedback. I look at cancellations. Yes, me too. Okay? I look at cancellations, and I also look at how many shifts they've worked. Correct. So I look and see, Jen Ryan worked 15 shifts, one cancellation. I can roll with that. Mm-hmm. And then I hit, literally hit one button, and they're coming to work for mm-hmm. me. And then there's a messaging part in there to where I can message Jennifer and say, here's this, here's that, whatever. Right. They can ask questions. Right. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I've used it mainly for prep mm-hmm. people and dishwashers. Yes. So on dishwashers, I get four, five, six applicants. Mm-hmm. It's very, very difficult for me, though, to hire someone that's never had a job. And I know that you have to do that at some point. And I've done it a little bit. But I've found some really, really good people on there and it's a great app if you're in what cities Birmingham Tuscaloosa Auburn Muscle Shoals Florence if you're in any of those cities mm-hmm. and you're in hospitality it is a wonderful one or you know someone in those yes. cities it is a wonderful app to get on coming soon to Georgia and Florida coming soon to Georgia and Florida so there's the pitch and I made the pitch you didn't make it I love it so and I use it and here's the thing I use it before I knew you mm-hmm. so like I, I think I'm a huge fan great of validation so um okay so crew has started yep we win a tech competition that Brett gets the five of us together. We lob some rendition of crew through this tech competition here in Birmingham that's focused on food tech. The idea was, again, in some way, shape, or form to support staffing, because that's what all of us were griping about. Yeah. That was the beginning, the seedling. And over the next three months, we take that seedling and we start to talk about it, we start to sharpen it, we start to socialize it, and all of a sudden there's some real legs here. But we gotta figure out how the heck we're gonna take this to the next level. It's a good thing Kenny has some experience building apps. So we're able to throw our own capital in. We've got tech and engineering brain power as part of this brain trust, you know, the five founders. And essentially at the beginning of 2022, we start work on this. It's all a side hustle for all of us. We all have day jobs, right? Yeah. And it's a side hustle. And each of us is contributing a little bit here and there, right? Brett has all the relationships Lindsay has all the relationships. These two have grown up in food. Stuart has the operational acumen. Kenny is building the app. I'm not sure why I was invited, but I'm there You're along for the party. Extremely right? good looking. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and all I have, though, is I've got a book of people that I can call to get advice and potentially sure. checks written as we raise money. 
Mm. Right? How do we how do we grow this? How do we scale this? Okay, I'm gonna call all the people I worked with in banking and venture capital, and I start to ask questions. How should we think about this? What kinds of terms and conditions should we write? How do we protect ourselves from risk down the line? What kind of data protection should we have in place? Did you think that you could do it with all private money of your five private money? No, we knew we couldn't. You knew you could. But we knew we could run beta, and at least if we with we could private money. Yes, with just our capital, we knew we could get it to a place to launch and test it, and see. Now, in that period of time, in Q1 of 2022, we were accepted to Alabama Launchpad. A tech what is that? It's a tech competition okay, here in the yeah, state, yeah. right? Um, it happens to be, so we went down to Mobile to pitch, but it's statewide, um, and it's companies mostly in the technology space, right? Okay. So Alabama-based that are taking the state to the next level. And there's a real focus on creating a company that's going to be here, create jobs here, and going to support the local economies. So all of a sudden, crew becomes an interesting storyline of supporting something that is a real driver for this right. local GDP. And so we ultimately, in April, win Alabama Launchpad. Did you win any money? $25,000. Okay. No strings attached, no equity, just grant money. The just only, dollars. Just dollars. Do what you want Stipulation, to do. we had to hit a couple of milestones, but like dollars in the bank, yeah. right? And so at that point in time, we start to see this thing actually has real promise. There's people that are testing it. On June 1, we open. Of 22. Of 22, we open the app to the public. Okay. So in May, we're testing it with some friends. We're getting feedback. We're working with some re- local restaurants that'll work with us. Blue Roots testing it. Yeah. In June, we open it up to the public. And it's wild because we had hundreds of applicants on the talent side waiting to sign up for the app. So, so the dishwashers, the prep cooks, the whatever. Ready to go. Tell me when. Tell me when and where to sign up. And it was really, I thought it would have been the other way around. I thought businesses would have been clamoring to use it. Until I took it's a big a hard step back. Sale. It's, it's not a hard sale. It's, it's like a, I didn't know Brett. Mm-hmm. And Brett's the one that I talked to. I didn't know Brett. And yeah. so if I knew, I've known Brett, but I knew Tina. Yeah. And like if Tina trusts you, I trust mm-hmm. you. Same thing with Lindsay and you. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit of a harder sale because like some of the stuff we do is not like it. You got to be coached and trained. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so the question for us was how do we, that's the question we kept getting. Well, how do we narrow the scope to be able to support businesses and how do we make sure that people are happy and satisfied with the experience? Okay, well now we know we're probably not going to support Frank and Chris. Okay, maybe, no. maybe fine dining is out. Maybe large scale events where they need 40 bartenders, we can't support that. But, but, there's, but there's 10 of those in Birmingham. Yes. 15 of those in yes. Birmingham, and there's a thousand that are on. So what about the fast casual play where they need bodies? Okay, so for me at Blue Root, I was a case study. I didn't necessarily need somebody that was going to be able to help chef and our you know, maybe one person back there prepping. I needed one person to wipe down tables during the rush, somebody to pour tea, somebody to put lids on and bag things up, just one more body during lunch just to make that experience pleasant. Wash dishes, yes. clean up, sanitize, wash the wind, whatever it might be, right? One more body. Because you know and I know that when you're understaffed, before mm. the era of apps, I phone a friend. I've got a text thread of people that I would call on, and most of those people are a few that I know could call 10 other people. I am in desperate need. Can you help me today? Can you help me today? And that's not very efficient, Mm -hmm. but I knew that there's, I knew there was credibility in that because those people on my text thread or those people that were in the saved list that I had, they're hospitality people. And they said, call me if you ever need somebody. But I'm not sure when they're available. No, They're not sure when I need somebody. So crew takes all of the guessing out. So now all those people that were on the other side of the text thread that all of us use and all of us have, there are five million Americans that pick up jobs on the side in hospitality, right? These are restaurant workers that have a double shift somewhere else. Um, They're on the other side of that text thread. 
now crew takes out the guessing and yeah. so they're able to apply based on the schedule there's a lot of people on there the guys that i've used there's a guy that i've used multiple times that he's like yeah i can come all week yeah and he like the honest thing is all you were doing with crew yeah is you're putting it in the workers hands mm -hmm. to say i want to work on mm -hmm. thursday because mm -hmm. all these people, guys and girls, can work whenever they want to. Mm -hmm. So there's one girl that works for us that leaves here and goes and works another shift. Yeah. So she works two shifts a day when she works. Sure. So she, but she can literally pick and choose mm -hmm. when she wants to work. Yeah. And so I think that's part of it is like this generation, because all the people that have worked, mm -hmm. with the exception of one, um, are all within the same age range. Yeah. And there's some trends there, for sure. The demographic is clear. There are outliers, though, too. But the I, I hired a, a 75 year old, and it, yeah. you know, yeah, whatever. But like, there's there was one of right. those. Right, a little I've outlier. Probably done 20 shifts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe more. Yeah. So I was on the front end of this thing. Like, you were? I, I mean, like in the fall, because we did it in the fall. Mm -hmm. Wow, I did not realize you mm -hmm. had just started. Just started. So June was the beginning, but I mean, it's a it's what they call a cold start problem, right? You have to yeah. essentially light a fire when no one knows you. Is it profitable yet? Um, that's a good question. Um, no. You're not hemorrhaging money, but we're it's not, not hemorrhaging money. No, no, no. But yeah. we're again, this goes back to our decision on how we're growing, sure. right? We're not just throwing cash out the window to go grow. Um, we have been really judicious on how we're growing, yeah. but we started to raise capital. So we use our own money up to the Alabama launchpad time and come Q3 of 2022, it's like, okay, there's some legs on this thing. There's some momentum. It's time to go see if we want to raise some capital from some angel investors in town, right? People that are friends of the business that have said to us, when you raise, we want to support you, right? Not talking like Silicon Valley institutional money just yeah. yet. And so not, our friend- Not millions and millions of dollars. No. Thousands and thousands of dollars. One million dollars. Okay. okay so total. We, total. Okay. So we raised a million dollars and we closed our round in November. Okay. Okay. And most of that capital um, it came from a combination of angel investors, people in town that said, you know, people that know the tech industry or the entrepreneurial industry and said, we want to continue to throw um, logs on the fire there. Right. And then we have um, our lead investor is an early stage venture capital firm that's out of town. They're out of state. They're in the Midwest. And they saw us and they're like, well, this is really interesting. We're seeing synergies of what y'all are doing with the needs of our other portfolio companies maybe there's you know an interesting opportunity there okay so someone that does no idea what mm -hmm. to do and i'm part of one of those yeah no idea what to do when you get funding yes do you have any restrictions on the funding not unless those investors put any restrictions on okay. you right so so let's just say they don't outside of ethics right let's say that yeah, 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 yeah. yeah let's let's say there's yeah, no restrictions on, strip strippers no. okay no but what most investors will do if they've done this before is they ask for some clarity on how you're going to spend it before they write the check. How are you going to spend my money? And then they say, let's check in and keep telling me how you're spending my money. And so for us, it was very clear we were focused on three things. We're focused on the tech, right? Building of the product, growth, how do we go expand new markets, and people, the bodies, the resources we needed to support that growth and the tech, right? So three things. And that's always how we were going to spend the million dollars. And that's how we told Launchpad we were going to spend a million dollars if we you know, raised any capital from them and raised or earned any from them and then raised any anywhere else. So we raised that money in 2022 and that was the gas in the tank that we needed to go really grow crew and in 2023 we're hopeful to go out and expand across the southeast in very specific markets and hit 12 to 20 of them 
when will you act when will you start will you need to start another round of funding yes and that is predicated on how quickly we grow right so what the uptake and like the velocity of how fast we can go do this and go to another market and do it successfully mm. um, and if we budget it properly right when you're doing something for the first time it's yeah. a little bit of the, I think it's going to cost us this much. So these first couple markets are going to stress test whether or not a performa is, you know, really, really, really tight. How is Tuscaloosa and Auburn doing? Different. Auburn, hot, doing well. But we've invested more time in Auburn. Tuscaloosa, newer, investing more now, right? So they're at different phases. Muscle shows. How's that doing? Um, it's event driven. So it kind of depends on what's happening, right? So it's a little bit less like Birmingham by far posts sure. and picks up the most shifts, right? Million, dollar, million people in Metro area. Mm -hmm. yeah. Auburn next. Tuscaloosa is where we're starting to spend more time investing. I put the Muscle Shoals and Florence area in there is more event oriented. When things are happening, we have abilities to be supported there. Jacksonville, Gainesville, Savannah, Atlanta. I mean, these are some of the examples. Atlanta could be huge. Huge, huge. The, where are the most dollars spent like out of a million dollars where's the most money spent like the line of them okay this is the largest it's always money. people in any business yeah, right. right it's always people now like it costs a little bit to have you know we don't have a very big team but we're doing a lot of the work but some of that money goes to outside resources contractors that are helping with the app or, or yeah or the interns or this and those guys don't cost that much but when you put it all together people that line item that labor sure is the biggest one um the next biggest is just growth to go into a new market. The question for us is how much does that cost with yeah, everything? That's what I was gonna ask. You know, it's really hard to determine. So we've got we you know have more than a back of the envelope calculation, but it's everything from marketing to that referral program to that do we need to fly our founders in and like actually activate and shake hands with people? Are we giving away subscriptions for free? I mean all of these do you things have cost sales people. Our founders. Right? We got five founders and we're essentially the salespeople. So you'll call and go into places mm -hmm. in Atlanta and mm -hmm. the people you know, mm -hmm. and then talk to the guy that you know that's a chef here. Hey, mm -hmm. can you introduce me to five people? That's Brett, right? Yeah. Brett is pounding the pavement every single day. Brett and Stuart are diligencing every new market to understand what's interesting, what's not. What does the regulation look like? Are there competitors there? What kind of key partnerships could we bring? I mean, this is really, when you're starting a business like this, this is a blank sheet of paper. Sure. We're making this up as we go, based on all of what we've learned over those last nine months. Yeah. And now we've got some learnings. Okay, so I'm gonna transition here real quick. So, obviously the, all the work that you've done, you've went from all the things we've talked about. You have a kid now. I do. How has that changed your work ethic excuse me how, how has it changed your work time time is everything sure um my husband i'm gonna answer the question the, it's changed everything is the short answer yeah. my husband was listening to a podcast the other day and he said um he had this phrase that he had heard from the podcast and it said die with zero mm -hmm. and the idea was we wait until the end of our lives to go do all the things that matter mm. right and if you flip that on its head and you really, as we get older, we know this, money does not make you happy, right? These things that are you know, superficial just don't. And so it goes back to priorities. Yeah. And look, everyone's gonna be different. For me in this phase right now, I do, I care a lot about these two businesses. I care about the oh, people yeah. that we're employing. I care about the communities two, we're supporting. Two, your two other kids. My two other kids. Yeah. But the point is like, I have an 18 month old mm -hmm. at home, right? 19 months now. Yeah. And that is the priority. So now I, 
we do the things we do as parents, right? Yeah. Mike and my alarm go off at you know four o'clock in the morning or four right. thirty in the morning, and that's the time to work out, journal, have a cup of coffee, have the minute to like get ready for the day, nothing and then it's nothing drinking, nothing dinging, nothing crying, and then Vaughn's up, and we get that time, and then the workday starts, and we're powering through, and here we are to, at the end of the day, and like this is special time, and I don't answer the phone between five and eight because. Bedtime, bath time, family time is pretty sacred. All those things. Yeah. And I've chosen to keep working in this space and I try to be really thoughtful with my time. I'm not perfect at it, by the way. No. I'm not, I'm not great. There are moments I look at, you know, I think, oh, what a dingbat. I've got my well, phone going and this going. I'm trying to get things at once. Yeah, one hand, a kid, one hand. Yeah, we've all screwed that up. Um, okay, let's shift gears a little bit there too. So there's a lot of people that listen and watch that, that, are, that love investing. What do you do? You guys do anything outside of... Crew Blue Root, where do you take your money and you put your money in other places? Family? Okay. Is that what you're asking? No. Oh, any, oh. No, like any other businesses, any other um, passive things, anything you're, you're, you're asking doing, Mike and me, anything you that you, you guys do right now. Yeah. There are businesses that are early in stage that we've come across, whether they're people that we know or products that we've use that we really like. Um, I'm going to refrain from naming any of sure. them right now. But yeah, those are where we believe, and it goes back to if you have the capital and you understand the risk associated venture when you're investing in early stage stuff, it's like, it's the riskiest of the risky. You just, you know, zero hero. Um, but if we know those founders and we really believe in the products, there are a couple that we've really been thoughtful about. Real estate investing is something we've got a little bit of acumen and both sides of the family were able to call people that know more than we do. And that's been interesting too. Um, but really, (laughs) The liability on our family balance sheet right now is like our two businesses. And that's where we're investing a lot of our own personal capital, time. Um, And so a lot of it too, in terms of just passive capital, sitting in a Vanguard fund. You know, I'm not trying to beat the market. I'm not trying to. It's too much. It's too much. It's too much. I'm not trying to pick stocks. And that's not my forte. And I'm sure you could pay people to do that. But we found it to be better for us to be able to put capital aside and now with you know savings rates you know things things are sitting and okay how how is blue root doing as we as we kind of wind down here it's like here we are uh january late january of Mm -hmm. 23 how's blue root doing 18 months in we are cash flow positive but the thing is we've got debt right that debt that i mentioned before and so it's there and it's it's a journey you know yeah but it's like just like the power bill in a way yeah that's fair i mean you know what I'm saying? It's just mm-hmm. like a power bill. Your power bill is 300 bucks a month, mm-hmm. 500 bucks a month. Yeah. Your your debt payment is 1,000 bucks, whatever. Right, right, it's right. just a power bill. Yeah, and if yeah. you're cash flow positive at the yeah. end of every month, yeah. that's, a, that's a, it's a huge thing, especially for someone that's in the food. Right. That's so. exactly right. And that, we have gotten smarter and better. I made so many mistakes. Oh, So many mistakes. Oh I can't gosh. tell you how many things I thought were important that really weren't, or things that I should have prioritized that I just didn't know. And that's where you lean on, you really get clear with yourself on what you're acumen is and lean on people that have done this before. I now, I am not afraid or embarrassed. I am unabashedly calling mentors and supporters. How have you dealt with this? How have you handled this? Pardon me? What do you do? Yeah. yeah. How do you, how do you handle this? And people, because I've been vulnerable and honest and open, they are the same with me, right? They're like, Oh, I really messed this exact thing up 10 years ago. Here's how I navigated that. Um, let me show you my PL and how I manage these types of things. We've gotten better, right? Labor costs, food costs, smarter with the people that we um, employ and how we deploy their skills, how we grow those people, the types of things we have on the menu. We've narrowed, I mean, just trying to be smarter and, You've got to do all those things, but at the end of the day, we're still making mistakes. We're a startup. 
And it pains me, this is hard to say out loud to a public forum, it pains me when someone says, you didn't get this right, or you made a mistake here, or I really wish you could have done X, Y, Z instead of that. And it is like a dagger through the heart for an owner, but I gotta hear it. I've gotta hear it for us to get better and for us to get stronger. Um, But we're still in that, those early nascent days. We're 18 months old. Yeah. So I give us a little bit of grace, but I tell my team every day, it's a miracle we're alive. We opened during the pandemic. We have a, a tiny the $6, team. $6,000 you, you made. The, the, uh, I mean, like, I go back to that story. I think that's great. So It's wild. But Hey, thank you so much for being here. This has been so good. And, what a um, gift. Your story is, uh, is awesome. And I love the fact that I didn't know any of this. And so all the random questions that I yeah, asked. Yeah, I love everything so about good. it. So thank you so much again. What a gift. Thank you for having awesome. me. Yes, ma'am. Really hey, where it. can people find the crew blue root you whatever yes it be social websites whatever social is the best and that's great or a website um let's start with blue root yep. blue root co is blue root code that's on instagram that's a wonderful spot to follow us and hear what's going on um www.blueroutco.com find all Got the it. insights yes, exactly. um and then for crew it's crew.co you can go there c-r-o-u-x you got it or download the app download the app and hey, if you're a talent, you want to pick up some shifts, whether you have all the experience in the world or none, download the shifts or the app and it's free. Start picking up shifts and uh, start meeting great people and earning cash. Same Anybody day. in hospitality, whether you own something or work there, it's great. Yeah. I put my stamp of approval on it. It is wonderful. It's so great. Hey, last shout out to the city of Birmingham yes. who opened its proverbial arms to an outsider like me that had no business doing what I'm doing. I don't think this could have been done in any big city. I think we would have been eaten alive in any other large metropolis. And Birmingham, you made it happen. And I am so glad they did because I'm so glad you're here. So grateful. What a blast. Thanks. Thanks, guys.